0: The Lord be with you, and with your spirit, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet In you Bethlehem land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah since from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd who is to shepherd my people Israel Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the stars appearance He sent them to Bethlehem and said Go And search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, and I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that had been seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Did you guys feel it when you walked in here this morning? There was a powerful, powerful, beautiful presence in this place. Of course, we were adoring the Lord. sun was shining beautifully through our glass our window. And Holly on the, on the harp it was absolutely beautiful. And I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed that. I was just walked there. I was like, man, I'm, I'm in heaven. It was so beautiful. It was so deep. And it is so rich. it touches the, the soul in a powerful way. Holly, thank you. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> beautiful. I don't know if you noticed that. Again, the richness, the deepness of the human soul, by the way. We're created for more. Before we dive into these readings, I just wanted to say that because I was so happy. What a glorious day, and what a rich day, and I hope to, to kind of bring it all together because there's so many, the readings today are utterly rich, and there's so much we could have talked about today, but I'll try to reduce it down. But before we break open the word, just some housekeeping rules, uh, so announcements rather. So uh, as many of you know, I'm going on my Christmas break next week, and so uh, there's no daily masses all of next week. So after Christmas and Easter priest, we get a couple of days off to recuperate, and so I'll just be heading down to Sacramento hanging out with my, my mom and my, my dad. So uh, so no daily masses next week. And next weekend as well, I won't be around here either. We'll have a, a, a priest here to cover the parish, Father Steve Bordlang. Many of you may know him. He used to be the pastor of St. John's in Quincy. And so he'll be here. So please welcome him. Uh, don't boo him when he walks in. Uh, he's a good priest. By the way, it's so hard to find priests to cover our mountain parishes, by the way. You know, whenever we call a priest like, hey, I need some time off. Can you cover my parish? And when they're here, you're in the mountains. They say, oh, I'm scared of snow, scared of ice. So it's always hard to find priests to cover. Father Steve loves coming up here. By the way, it is an early Christmas gift because he gives short homilies. So Merry, Merry Christmas. Praise the Lord. Let's break open this reading. It's powerful. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, Happy New Year, everybody. 2021, we survived. But most importantly, Merry Christmas. It is still Christmas, and I hope you're still saying that to everybody that you meet. Even your, your non-Catholic neighbors. Because that's a great way to evangelize somebody, by the way. When you go to somebody, hey, Merry Christmas, and they look at you, weird, what are we talking about? Christmas past, it was like a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, Christmas is more than a day for us. And you kind of go, in Because Why? Because Jesus Christ changes everything now. Hear that again. Jesus Christ has changed everything. And it's so much so that it is stamped literally how we tell time. What year is it? 2021. What happened 2021 years ago? The birth of Jesus. Jesus. Christ changed our entire course of civilization that when he was born, we began to mark our time. We used to say 2021 A.D., Anno Domino, the year of our Lord. And then prior to the year zero, we call that B.C. I know today it's common as it's popular now to be non-offensive. So what do we say now? C.E., common era. And then before that is before common era, B.C.E., but it's funny, you ask somebody, what separates common era from before common era? They're like, well, I, I don't know. The birth of Jesus. Right? So no matter what they do, you can't get away from Jesus Christ. Changes time. will be marked by his birth now. God has broken into our history we can no longer approach life the same way anymore. In the fourth century, the Bishop of Constantinople, St. Gregory Nazianzus, wrote this. So if you recall, remember, Constantinople now was the seat of the empire. When Constantine became emperor in the early third century or early fourth century, he moved the capital of the empire to Constantinople. He built this marvelous, marvelous city, Named it after himself. You can do that when you're emperor. He built a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous city. And was one of the crown jewels of the empire. One of the centers of Christianity. And you he wrote this, again, pondering the implication of the incarnation. Because think about it. If God has come into time and God has chosen to be born as a baby What does that mean now? And so the early church began to ponder the implications of such a doctrine. Again, this doctrine of the incarnation, nobody else has it in the world. Only us Christians. God breaking into human history, taking on human flesh. What does that mean? St. Gregory writes this, and I quote, For that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. But that which he is united to his Godhead is also saved. It must be united to the whole nature of him that was begotten. And so to save as a whole. Let them not then begrudge us our complete salvation. What is he talking about here? He was speaking about the fact that God now has taken on our human nature, which means the complete human nature, all aspects of human life now are incorporated into him, has been sanctified through him. Meaning now the baby Jesus sanctifies being a baby. Jesus now sanctifies the home, the Holy family. Jesus Christ now sanctifies growing up, wearing diapers or the ancient equivalent of diapers, He sanctifies that. Jesus Christ now sanctifies puberty, right? Jesus went through puberty. You realize that, right? Jesus now sanctifies being a pubescent child. He sanctifies being a teenager. He sanctifies work now because what does Jesus do? He's a carpenter, isn't he? After the model of Joseph. Jesus sanctifies human work. The whole totality now of human experience, Jesus Christ has assumed to himself which means every single aspect of our lives can glorify God now. And that's in direct contradiction to the tendency of fragmenting our lives. We all do this now. We all have a tendency to compartmentalize, don't we? This is me at work, right? This is how I behave at work. This is me at home, It's how I behave at home with my family and my kids are around. This is me on vacation. This is me at school studying. This is me quietly in my bedroom. This is me praying in the church. We tend to fragment, section off pieces of our lives. And we see this marvelously and masterfully. Politicians do this all the time, by the way, both sides of the spectrum. What do they say? Oh, I believe so-and-so, this is what I do in my personal life, but in my public life, I act differently. The fragmentation of one's existence. By the way, when politicians say that. That's all new, by the way. It was, very, it was popularized by John F. Kennedy. The idea that I can't, I can't allow my personal beliefs overflow into my political policies that I support. The language that he uses, that many politicians use today, that was coined by a corrupt priest, by the way. He counseled him it was part of the inner circle. They tried to say, how do we make you the first Catholic president palpable to a Protestant nation? And that was one of the ways that they used that. So the line that politicians use today stems a lot from that. But do you see it? This, this fragmentation of life. And we see this even more spectacularly in one of the most famous most Successful Marketing Campaigns in Modern Tourism History. This ad campaign, this slogan, and I'm going to say it, you've all heard it. You're all probably going to laugh when you hear it. It literally brought in billions and billions and billions of dollars into this city. And everybody who studies marketing and advertisement will study this case. Because it's one of the, it's one of the most successful campaigns ever. And it reads... What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You laugh, right? That was coined 2003 between a partnership of R&R Partners and the Las Vegas Tourism Board. They got together and say, how can we entice people to come to Vegas? And so this popular line to this very day has almost become part of our, our language now. What happens here stays here. This is what they said about that campaign, and I want to quote this at length, and you'll see what I mean. The emotional bond between Las Vegas and its customers is freedom. Freedom on two levels. Freedom to do things, see things, eat things, wear things, feel things. In short, the freedom to be someone we couldn't be at home. And freedom from whatever we wanted to leave behind in our daily lives. Just thinking about Vegas made the bad stuff go away. At that point, the strategy became clear. Speak to that need. Make an indelible connection between Las Vegas and the freedom we all crave. End quote. This is what they were doing there. Whatever you are in your life back home, you're a school teacher, you're a principal, you're a garbage man. Ah, but you fly to Vegas. Do whatever the heck you want. Why? Fragmenting. I do this at home. I put on the face, put on the mask. I go to Vegas. All hell breaks loose. And all this tagline is so successful. Billions of dollars into Nevada. Nevada. Fragmenting, compartmentalizing. Now enter the Magi. Today on the Epiphany, we celebrate when the Magi now bring gifts to Jesus. There's a lot going on here. But we have to perceive this and understand the context in which the Magi, when they arrive in Jerusalem in the first century. So at this time period, as I mentioned before in previous homilies, there is an expectation here All of the Jews are waiting for it. And you see this beautifully in the prophet Micah, in the prophet Samuel, and in the prophet Isaiah. This idea that one day, God would come, who would send his king, his new king, into the world from David's line. This new king would arise, and then he would unite all of humanity again under this new kingship. No longer the fragmentation of humanity. To this very day, the Jewish people are very insular, aren't they? Very insular. I mean, go to some parts of Brooklyn. I love our Jewish brothers and sisters, because when they move in, they move in, right? They take over whole neighborhoods. It's a beautiful sight, because what are they doing? They're trying to protect their community. They're a small percentage of of the human population, but they've endured tremendous, tremendous turmoil. The pharaohs, Hitler... I mean, kings who try to, we've, we've, they've been try, people have been trying to annihilate the Jews for a long time. And so they protect themselves. You, can, you understand why? But now this king who would come to unite everyone back into the house of God again, no longer will, will be different cultures or different people anymore. We'll we become one again. And so that's the expectation of the Magi. So they arrive in Jerusalem. And on the throne is this sad, pitiful King Herod. Because Herod was a fake puppet king. If you remember, the Roman Empire is in power here. And whenever Rome would conquer a people, they had a tendency to raise up a local leader. But the only reason why they have power is because of the, of the swords of the legionaries. They had the power of Rome behind them. And King Herod was one such figure. He wasn't a real king, and he understood that. And Herod, knowing that he's a fake king, was always paranoid of losing his position. So much so, Herod had his own wife killed and two of his kids because he had heard rumors that they were plotting to usurp his power. That's how paranoid he was. So that's Herod. Knowing that, and Herod knowing that this prophecy of Isaiah, Samuel, that the king would arrive one day, that God would send to build up a new kingdom, all of a sudden, the magi come. Where is the newborn king? And in one of the greatest understandings of all the sacred scripture, it said, King Herod heard this and was greatly troubled. He was shaking in his boots, Herod. Utterly terrified. Because what does that that all of a sudden mean now? If a new king arrives, what happens? He has to get out of the way. Herod has so fragmented his life. This is me in my little kingdom. I must protect it and guard it to the point of even killing my own family. God wants to break in? No. He had fragmented his life, guarded it off. Right. Do you hear the echo now of Adam and Eve? Every, we all do this. What is the lie that the serpent gave Adam and Eve? He said, God told you not to do this. Well, that's because God is holding back on you. In other words, that God's will, God's plan, the Ten Commandments, the requirements that we all have to strive for in our moral life is in competition of you. If you want to be happy, fragment your life. This is you doing your thing. Let God do his own thing. Do you see that fragmentation? Always. It's fragmenting of one's life. And so King Herod hears this now and he's threatened by this news. Herod did not recognize what the Magi saw. The Magi, remember, were not Jews. They were like us, Gentiles. They go to Bethlehem. They see the cooing, drooling baby Jesus in the arms of Mary. Notice what they do next. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. The word here in Greek is prostoleo. That's the language, the gesture of bowing prostrating yourself on the floor, kneeling before Almighty God himself. Which is why, by the way, when the Eucharist, Eucharist of Prayer begins in a few moments, we kneel, right? We get down on our knees. Why? Because God is coming. We must prostrate ourselves in humility. The Magi did that. They prostrated themselves And they welcomed him with open arms. Lord Jesus, come into my life now. Take over every single aspect of my life. Because Jesus Christ has taken on our humanity. Nothing should be held back from him. King Herod. Let's interrogate him for a moment as I end my homily. Because King Herod is our brother as well. As, as tyrannical and vicious as he was, he was like us with the same fears, same desires. If King Herod was here in this church here in Loyalton, what would we ask him? Herod, why are you so afraid of the baby Jesus? Why are you so afraid to let go of your kingdom? To let go of your power, your jewels, your fine clothes, your armies? Why are you so afraid to let all of that go? King Herod, did those things really bring you happiness to begin with? King Herod, let it go. Let it go. And that is why on this day of the epiphany, we honor the Magi who now signal the finality of God's plan. God has taken to himself a humanity, giving his entire self to us and sanctifying every aspect of our lives. No more fragments. No more compartmentalization. He wants us all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.